0: I hope I can make it through Degrassi Viewing Podcast. I'm your veteran, Donnie.
1: I'm your new play, Frank.
0: Today, we have the misfortune of checking out Season 4, Episode 18, Modern Love, also known as Love Will Tear Us Apart, which is interesting.
1: How dare they profane a David Bowie song or... A Joy Division song with this terrible, terrible episode.
0: To be fair, Bowie was a Predator too, so.
1: I mean, if we're gonna, like, want to split hairs, like, you can't throw a fucking rocket rock and roll without hitting some Predators.
0: No, no, I'm, not, I'm just saying. It was just like, haha because we're still in this fucking nonsense.
1: God, when is this Oleander gonna wilt? I stand behind that joke. Um, uh-huh. We're not gonna do. We're not gonna split up the A plot and B plot because they're kind of connected, despite only being a single episode.
0: Right. Usually,
1: we only have to do that for the. Um, or
0: like double headers. Yeah. Um, quick content warning. Also, um, we're gonna be talking power dynamics, specifically teacher-student, because we're still dealing with this Oleander page plot. There's brief discussion and, like, mockery of STIs and people with STIs. Um, There's misogyny. There is internalized misogyny. There's ableism. And also just, I'm just convinced at this point Degrassi, at least this entity of Degrassi, hates women. I have no other, like, and it's sad because I actually feel like there was a good run that I do think Degrassi liked women. I really, truly do. I think that there was that beautiful, like, Susan Nielsen era, there was the, um, you know, there was, like, some other flashes of brilliance from other author, uh, from other writers, um, but I think we, we're officially in a phase that I think I can confidently say Degrassi hates women.
1: Oh, no. I agree. <laughs> um,
0: but let's introduce this A-plot and this B-plot before we get too far into this.
1: Oh, God. A-plot, uh... Uh, Oleander and Paige are still dating, um, and th- they're finally found out. Ugh. Um, B-plot, Emma is just plain old sick of man, don't blame her. Um, and Manny and two new girls, I think one of them is Darcy, um, decide to have a girls' night. But, oh no, here come the three brothers to, um, mess everything up. Because they just act like idiot children.
0: Yup. Alright, so let's just do this. So, we open up at the park. And Paige and Oleander are having a romantical picnic. Um, and Oleander is like, oh no, I'm going to get observed tomorrow. It's like, yeah, that's part of student teaching, Okay. Let's let's keep moving, and he's like super nervous, and Paige is trying to like make him stay focused and stay optimistic by basically trying to dismantle the mystique of her of her fellow students, revealing their weaknesses, revealing their vulnerabilities. And
1: <laughs> Just throw a jar of bees at Marco.
0: Right, right, which is like. It runs into this thing that I really, that has really bothered me every fucking time this plot has come up, which is the fact that we're supposed to find this romantic.
1: Donnie, Paige mentioned his ears. His, his ears! I was fixing your earlobes for most of the class, so my nano-computer commu- lesson was dull. Yeah, it probably was, Oleander. You're a bad teacher in many ways.
0: Right? Um, and like, it's just like they're talking about that. And how nobody is scary, and he'll get through it, and as they're doing that, they're watching this dweeb with a fucking baby carriage getting ice cream, and they make fun of his pale-ass legs, and they go, oh god, it's Snake. (laughs) (laughs) And they're like, oh no, and then they try to hide, and Paige is putting on her sunglasses, Paige is putting on her cowboy hat, ah, ah, and then Snake kind of seems to be away, but not before he does a double take at the two of them.
1: Yep. It's just like... <sighs> it's just, I hate everything. I agree. Um, in the gymnasium... Manny is leading the, um, leading the practice, because Paige isn't there. Um. And this is where we find out that Hazel apparently never knew. Which seems... Bizarre.
0: That doesn't make any sense. That feels contradictory. Yeah. Because, like, she's like, oh, it's just a crush at Manny, And I'm like, I don't think passing notes in class, like, mutual passing notes in class is just a crush. Yeah. Like, that's reciprocated in some way, shape, or form. So, like, it doesn't make sense to me that they're kind of suddenly suggesting that Hazel only thinks it's a crush. Because that just doesn't, that seems to entirely contradict what has happened in this plot so far. And I think that's what, like, really bugs me, is, is that it... I know we're in, like, the soap opera phase of Degrassi. I understand. And I understand that things are going to operate in a slightly different way from what it did in the earlier seasons. But I thought I felt like what was good about the early seasons, even if they weren't perfect, was that they were really good at showing female friendship. And the conflicts that come with female friendship, right? Like, we saw girls fighting and feeling hurt. But it didn't feel like this kind of provocative kind of way that they're kind of angling for now. Here, it just kind of feels like they're like, what, what are other teen dramas doing? And I think this is where Degrassi truly loses its way, is when it tries to be like everyone else. It has a very specific spot in media, and the reason why people liked it was because it, it quote-unquote goes there. But when you start falling into the soap opera dramatics and when you start falling into the dramatics of teen drama, it 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 is then just trying to emulate things that have already done that and already have done it better, quite frankly. Yeah. No. Because it's like, look, I love a good melodrama. I think that there's merit to soap operas. I think there's merit to teen dramas. I think there's merit to, a lot, to the combinations of the two but DeGrassi was trying to make a path for itself doing something different and when you see this episode it it feels a lot like you know you know what it feels a lot like it feels like that that one episode where you have like Craig and Manny dancing and Emma is like worried about going on a date with Chris and everything and how it just didn't really feel like a DeGrassi episode this is what this episode is like it's like suddenly when DeGrassi goes off of its usual formula it just seems... It just sticks out like a sore thumb.
1: Like, before this, every bit of drama felt so slice of life. Right. And realistic. That I'm just like, okay, like, I went to school with these kids. But right. now it's just like, they're just... They've cut off pieces of, like, people's personalities and turn them into action figures or are just slamming them together. Like, but it doesn't work. Right. Like, none of this works. None of this makes sense.
0: Right. But yeah, so, like, because, like, also it's just, like, Manny, they just keep kind of angling her to being this antagonist. And it, it's, it's not intentional enough for me to feel, like, it just feels so much like they're just trying to make her be a shit stirrer. And I understand that this could be her lashing out, right? Like she has been hurt so many times because she even makes a comment in this scene about how like, oh yeah, it's me. Run my big mouth. And I understand that there's a lot of like self-loathing that Manny is going through. But at the same time, it's not executed in a way that is insightful.
1: I forget. Did Manny unload a major secret beforehand?
0: That's the thing. I feel like with her, unless it's just, like, the thing is, is like, she's been caught up in shit, but a lot of it was kind of either aimed at her or what other people would see as her own doing. It wasn't like she was necessarily running her mouth. You know what I mean? Like, running your mouth and being somebody who's known for running your mouth is different from what Manny has been going through, which is that she is, has been perceived as this, you know, I don't want to use like gross language about her, but she's someone who has been seen as a controversial figure because of her relationships with men, etc., cetera, etc., cetera. Even though, obviously, people are only seeing a snapshot and are not seeing how she has been fucked up by all of this. Yeah.
1: You know, I'm so just like, I don't want to talk about this episode, that the minute you mentioned melodrama, I thought about this video I watched, which actually might be my recommendation, um, about why certain animes succeeded in Latin America. Interesting. It was a whole thing of just like, because anime... Or, like, 80s animes so, like, Sailor Moon, Knights of the Zodiac, slash Saint Seiya, Mm -hmm. um, and all those older ones, they so, they have that melodramatic feel of, like, telenovelas. Right. They really took off.
0: Okay, I could see that.
1: But there's, um, I'll put the link in the description. Mm -hmm. There's a young woman who explains it a lot better than I do.
0: But, like, once again, that reiterates that these, like, it is not that melodrama is bad. It's not that, like, dramatics are bad or anything like that. It's just, like, when Degrassi, like, Degrassi can do it wrong, is what I'm getting at. Um, And (laughs) so, Manny, yeah, Manny and Hazel have this altercation and then we're in Oleander's class. And Oleander is running a class, is running one of Emma's classes. Um, and he's being observed. He's being observed by Snake, and he's being observed by this other person. Um, and Chris... And, and when Emma participates, she's, like, analyzing, like, a like a smoking ad. And, uh, like, a smoking ad, not an anti-smoking ad. Smoking is for cigarettes. Um, and Chris who we have not heard from in a while...
1: And won't hear from again.
0: (sighs) ...is, like, making snide remarks about the ravine. And it's just like, of course this is what happens with Chris, right? Like, this kid who we've seen just get fucked over, fucked over, fucked over, fucked over. They don't know what to fucking do with him, and they don't try to do anything with him. So what are they gonna do? Oh, we'll just make him be this antagonistic, like, force... And say really shitty things to Emma because that's exactly what what we want to see cap off that whole fucking shit show that was the Chris Emma relationship.
1: Yeah, um, and Chris's famous last lines, probably to the ravine, gonorrhea.
0: Right, and it's like, is that not something that Emma would potentially go through? Of course, Emma would probably have really ugly shit thrown at her, and probably in the same way, but the fact that you had the nerve to have this be Chris. Is this Chris's last episode for good?
1: Yeah, no, that's what I keep great. saying. Great, great, <laughs> great,
0: great. So, like, you couldn't have just someone else say it. No, you had to send off this character who was already fucked over uh, in a way that was disgusting. And... It's just like there's a lack of respect in this episode. I feel like toward the characters, but literally toward every character, and especially toward Chris because Chris has just been. It's just a shame. If like he just never had, he never got a win, ever. He just kept ended up kept getting fucked over, and he was thrown into these racist, humiliating type of situations as a character. Um, And it sucks. That's all there is to it. It it really sucks and it's really shitty that this is the send-off. I understand that some characters kind of fade into oblivion on Degrassi. Look, not every character is going to get, like, a lovely send-off. Not every character is going to stick around long enough for graduation. But, even then, the fact that there is no effort to... Like, the fact that it's, like, you want this character to go out on such an ugly note is so fucked up to me.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, And then, of course, Oleander has to jump in to get them back on track. uh, Does the whole see me after class. And, of course, Snake is having a fucking time because Emma is his daughter. And, of course, like, you know, he is not a happy camper hearing this type of stuff.
1: Yeah.
0: Also, like, being an observer as a teacher is a nightmare. (laughs) It is so hard to not just want to jump in. Like, I don't teach in a traditional classroom anymore. I'm a director of after-school programming. And, like, there are so many times I'm, like, lurking in the back of the class and all I want to do is just start running the program. And it's like, you can't. They have to learn. So I feel Snake during all of this. So we go into another class. Now we're with... Paige's class, and Oleander is still getting observed, which is a nightmare, I can only imagine. (laughs) Not a bad idea to observe someone a full day to kind of see how they handle different grades. Like, I understand the merit of it, but as somebody who went through student teaching, like, they came in for one class, and that was it. So that's annoying. Um, And of course, Hazel is talking to Paige. I want to
1: focus on nanotech is finally winning the respect it deserves as a science. What even is this class? I'm fucking media immersion. Why are we learning about nanomachines?
0: (laughs) Because it was the early aughts. We love nanomachines and we love purple frosted plastic over tech.
1: (laughs) Oh, yes. It's having purple world.
0: Right. This is all we wanted.
1: Uh, That was
0: the future we wanted. So...
1: Oh, God in heaven. Hazel is jealous that apparently Manny is Paige's new best friend. None of this makes sense. Why does Hazel not know? Um, And
0: also, if you wanted this to be... See, this almost would have been interesting, right? Because it could have been an exploration of, like, shame and friendship and what to do when there's something that you're going through and you don't want the person closest to you to know. Instead, you bypass the person closest to you. Because, like, that happens, right? Like, there are some things that a person goes through or something that they're deeply ashamed about or a diagnosis they don't know how to handle or a trauma they don't know how to deal with. And while it seems predictable, expected to talk to the person you're closest with, Sometimes it's easier to talk to someone slightly more outside. And that could have been an interesting thing, right? Like, that could have been, like, Hazel trying to deal with that and trying to be like, my friend is going through it, and yet she does not want my help. But instead, we fall into this, like, what do you mean? Like, and and you know what? Even Hazel saying, like, when did Manny become your best friend is something a teenager would say, right? Like, they'd be seeing, like, why does Manny know this information and I don't? Like, did I just lose rank? But it just doesn't land in the way that it should, quite frankly, in an episode like this. And of course, Oleander, when he is scolding, he's only scolding Hazel. um, Because Paige is talking too, but only Hazel's getting scolded. Um, Which, which I can't tell how much of this we're supposed to read it as Oleander trying to avoid Paige whatsoever. Like, just, like, don't even think about Paige, don't even acknowledge Paige, and then scold Hazel. Of course, as a teacher, I'm like, mm, you're exhibiting bias because you are punishing your black student, but I, I'm not gonna give the Degrassi... Cr- like, I don't think Degrassi writers were thinking, like, oh, we're gonna show bias in the classroom when yeah. they were doing this shit.
1: Um, and then... Um, Hazel comes back with, I thought you... Only had eyes for Paige. Wow.
0: Right. Um. And Snake has to, like, kind of, Snake just is like, ah, fuck it, and just jumps in, <laughs> and is just, like, running the class. Oh, man. Um, so, the next scene, we end up at the picnic tables. We have Chantal come in? Hey, Chantal.
1: Darcy, Chante.
0: Chante. Ah.
1: Darcy and Shantae appear.
0: Shantae, God. Um, Blast from the past for me. Um, They're talking about, like, food in a really, like, kind of shitty way, honestly, which I'm not even going to go into. Um, And Emma is staring down Chris and trying to destroy him with her eyes. (laughs) And I do like Manny being like, oh, yeah, while you're at it, and just lists, like, every man who has ever wronged her.
1: (laughs) To be fair, and Sean. And Sean. (laughs) (laughs) Oh. (laughs) Fair enough. Manny's hit list is Spinner, Jay, Craig, JT, Nate, and Sean. Valid. Who's Nate?
0: Isn't that the... Wait, fuck. Nate? Isn't that the boy from the Dracula play? Can we search this?
1: Sure, but I think it's apparently she's just, like, naming... Oh, that's kind of nice. So she's just like, "Here, kill some of your enemies and mine."
0: That's what I think it might be. I think she's trying to be like, "Let's work together on this effort."
1: Yeah, it's Nate. Okay, Nate's the kid from the Dracula play.
0: I knew it. Yes, yeah, so she's just like, "Let's destroy everybody." <laughs> but um, yeah. So Manny makes that joke, and I, I think that was like the one moment of levity in this episode for me. And then Chester just appears and rips fries from somebody's fucking plate because, like, that's okay.
1: forgot about Chester and I forgot how much I just dis- did not care for Chester.
0: Right, right? Like, there was a second where I was watching him, like, have we seen him before? And I was like, yes, we have.
1: And here, Shantae says, here's me wishing I had gone to an all-girl school.
0: She said that re the drama, but she did not say that re Chester. She said that re, the fact that there were a bunch of, don't ask me why I can't just say reply or regarding. Like, why can't I say a word? Anyway, um, Manny, that was referring to, like, Manny. Um, And then Manny is just like, hey, like, let's have a girly weekend. And just has Shantae and uh, Darcy join? Question mark.
1: Absolutely, we're there for you, people we've never met before, except for Darcy, okay, a bit.
0: Right, yeah, it's just, I understand that, like, I'm not even saying that Emma shouldn't be trying to make new friends, but, like, Manny's trying to come at this, like, uh, let's let's refocus as girls, as a community of girls, and, and, like, it's like, have y'all been in a scene together? I don't think so. <laughs> anyway, uh, it, but it once again, it's an execution thing, right? Like I think it would have been something if it was Manny just threw this group together in an attempt, in an impulsive attempt to try and make Emma feel better, and then they all don't really know how to belong, and then they find they find common ground with each other. Like, yeah. yeah, Degrassi's done it before, but it works, and it's a real teen experience, right? Like, sometimes you are you have a friend who is close to everybody, and it's just like, we're all going to get along. And you're like, okay. And sometimes it works, and sometimes it doesn't. And and that is, but that was also such a real teen experience. I feel like it's a plot that can come back again and again and again, as long as you are with different groups. Because the tensions are going to be different. And in this case, like, I mean, once again, there was even, like, that plot where, like, Ellie is trying to have Marco hang out and everything like that. Like, you know, you see these moments. And I feel like like it's it's a plot that's just so useful in this type of storytelling. And yet, they don't really make any effort for it. Yeah. So, the tension doesn't really get you anywhere. It's just like, oh, these are just disparate kids. And that's it.
1: Yeah.
0: Um. So, we end up back at school... Um, Paige is talking to Oleander just, like, in, like, a back area, um, and Oleander is worrying about teaching and being kicked out and how he has to get, up. he has to get through two more classes and all that type of stuff.
1: He calls teenagers evil, which, which, if you're an educator, you know, teaching in a high school, maybe you should not, uh, have that be your base point.
0: Yeah, maybe not. Um, Paige is trying to reassure him. As she's trying to reassure him, her French teacher opens up the door and catches sight of them.
1: So that's two teachers.
0: Right. Um, then we're in the hallway. Manny approaches Paige and is demanding thanks for running, uh, running practice. And Paige is just, like, attacking back.
1: Because Manny told Hazel.
0: Yeah. And then, like, of course it's one of those things where the volume is getting louder, they're circling each other, you know what the fuck is gonna happen, you know there's gonna be a fucking fight.
1: Yeah. Uh. <laughs> Could you be more this, all you think about is your own butt, which probably does require thought, given that it's huge. So I'm just gonna read the stage direction. Manny kicks Paige in the butt, Paige slaps her, and the two start fighting until Matt and Mrs. Hasselhock break it up.
0: Yeah, it's just... I feel like fighting is a really tricky thing to choreograph in general. I think it becomes way more difficult in a show like this. Because it's like, you want it to to matter, right? Yeah. Like, you want the stakes... Fighting, I don't know, fighting is so tricky to me because as a writer, I feel like it's something that needs to have high stakes, right? Like, that's why I actually think the Alex-Emma fight really worked, because you saw Emma just fucking go hard. And, like...
1: (laughs) And Alex just take (laughs) it.
0: Right. Like, like that fight, I felt like, worked really well because it was the juxtaposition of the fact that Emma was fighting, but the fact that Emma was going so hard, it, it paid off to a certain extent. And as sad as season one, that fight with Jimmy and Sean was, there was tension mounting. The tension was mounting in a way that you kind of felt like this was, this was going to happen. Um, it felt inevitable in a sad way. Um, there are further consequences from it. And this just kind of feels like what we stereotype teen dramas doing when it comes to these types of fights.
1: I I, I, went, I read a book about Neanderth's Evangelion at one point and it made a point about action and that like action should only be there to enhance the drama, not be the focus. And like this doesn't enhance anything. It's just like these two girls are gonna grapple for a while. The only thing it enhances is that like the only thing it does is that it gives many an excuse to yell at Paige that Mr. Oleander is a pedophile.
0: Now, the only thing that I will counter with this fight that I thought was interesting... So, when the music kicks in, it's... I feel like it doesn't help the scene at all.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Because it makes it come off very, like, comical and salacious. Yeah. But what I did find interesting... And I don't know, once again, how intentional this is. When Hasselakos and Oleander come to cut off, break up the fight, the music cuts... And there's a couple seconds where you just hear the girls just, like, breathing really fucking hard. And it makes me wonder if, take out maybe the slap. and No, take out the butt kick. You can probably keep the slap. Don't have the music in it. And it's just these two girls just, like, fucking tearing each other apart. Not even necessarily because they are each other's true antagonists, but because they are both so frustrated and feel so broken down by the system that they are within. That they just fucking attack each other. Yeah. And how much weight that would end up having. Once again, you'd probably... Maybe redo some of the choreography, you know, change up some stuff. But I found that couple seconds where where you just heard the noise of them fighting to be very jarring. And I think that could have been something. Like, I, I... I never want to make it sound like comedy does not belong in Degrassi. I think comedy can work really well in Degrassi, sometimes. I think that it also needs to be the right place, right time, and I also feel like because the series is juggling so many controversial issues, you gotta be fucking smart about it. And this fight just doesn't quite land for me because I feel like these two girls are- I mean, maybe this is also because I'm older watching this. These two girls have been fucked over in so many ways. They're both survivors of fucked up shit. And right now Paige is currently being exploited by an older man. Manny just always has the whole entire fucking school against her unfairly. And this they are not actually the enemies uh, that are making these two go like go through this in many ways. Like they are not the actual enemies of each other. They're antagonists to each other, and I don't think they're always nice to each other, but ultimately, there are other people, men, who are the true villains here, between the two of them. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, Manny calls Oleander Mr. Pedophile. Hasselacko says that she'll talk to Manny on Monday, but Paige and Oleander need to come to her office now.
1: You know... (sighs) what you well about these episodes, but I'm so pumped on Principal Hasselakos.
0: Mm. Mm-hmm.
1: Like, throwing Spinner out, like, you saying the play. I think she's doing pretty good. Um,
0: she definitely works at a quicker pace than fucking Raj.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, so, the outside of the office Paige is saying... The whole world is going to hate me if I get him fired. To which Marco does not do the good boy thing and just says, you're in love. What were you supposed to do?
0: Right. And like, that, that still baffles me. Like that, this, this is the part of this, of this episode, of this whole entire plot that truly baffles me because it's like, Yeah, I don't expect kids to be perfect moral guides during situations like this. I think a lot of kids would be like, oh, hey, hey, you got with the teacher. But it also is like, there's nobody really saying, hey, this is bad. It, it, It takes Manny getting into a fight to truly say, like, what the fuck he is doing. And even then, it's treated as, like, a drama point and less of, like, a lesson.
1: Yeah.
0: And... You, and then, even after that, you just have Marco kind of feeding into Paige's fantasy of this whole entire thing. It's just completely boneheaded writing. Um, so Paige is venting to Marco and Paige see and, and Paige then sees Hazel approach and Hazel apologizes. He's um, like, you know, I know this, I'm like the last person you want to see. I'm sorry. Um, and as that is happening, Oleander leaves Hasselakos's office and Paige then enters. He's just kind of like full steam ahead, not looking at her. Um, Paige then is seated and claims that Manny is a liar and that Oleander was tutoring her and that there was no relationship. No. Hasselakos then points out like, mm, actually, before I continue this conversation, I need your parents here. Um, which, yeah, I'd say. Um, and then Hasselakos reveals, but I will tell you this much, like, your story directly contradicts with Oleander's. And Oleander took, made Paige take the fall by suggesting that she was stalking him. And, of course, Paige looks absolutely gutted. So we end up at Emma's. And the girls are doing face masks and mocktails. Manny has ice on her face from the fight with Paige. Um, and Emma says, One right thing for the first time in fucking seasons, which is that men pit women against each other in response to the fight with... Um, in the fight with Manny and Paige.
1: Yeah.
0: A broken clock is right twice a day, baby. Don't I don't know when the second time's coming, but hey, Emma, you're right. <sighs> um but they toast to like no guys and then as soon as they toast to no guys they see Chester and of course the girls that aren't Emma are like ooh boy he is so cute. Um and then the girls are like oh no we're wearing face masks and then they hide inside as Chester just like creeps on over and like kind of joins Emma um at the front of the house. What Yep. What? Anyway, at Oleander's, Paige comes over and is snapping at Oleander as he appears, like, he's just kind of, like, listening. Um, And then he's like, yeah, but this job's everything to me. Um, And I had to do what I had to do to keep it. And I want to wait until the summer and then nobody will have an issue with us. Um, As if, like, you would not at least attempt to apply to a job at the school that you student taught. What the fuck? Yeah. Whatever. Um. And then she calls him out on this whole entire thing. And then he says that it's her fault. And this is where I thought... I don't like this because it's shaming her. But maybe we're going to get to the fact that men are pigs at some point in this episode. At least that's what I was hoping. Um... And then he just kind of just continues to whine about how like his future is on the line, and will someone think of him? And
1: want somebody please think about the grown ass white man,
0: right? And like, uh. Meanwhile in Emma, she's doing tie-dye, and the other girls are pining.
1: They're wearing face masks.
0: No, they're not wearing face masks anymore. Now they're wearing their cute outfits that are light-colored, which is great because they're doing tie-dye nearby. Um, Chester, they're waiting for Chester to come out. Apparently there are a couple other, there's two other boys in the family. Um, They're all throwing a football like Tommy Wiseau style. Um, and then the boys see the girls. One of them throws the football into a vat of dye. Um, and then the girls start throwing tie-dye at them, and they have, like, a little prank altercation.
1: Yeah. Uh, it's so uninteresting.
0: (laughs) Right. And then we go to the movie theater, and Paige makes a snide remark about Manny being plastic, like the plastic cheese. (laughs) Huh. And Alex... Alex almost has a moment where she's like, oh, yeah, well, what, like, that Oleander's, like, fucked up. And then, but then quickly, like, doubles, like, doubles down on what she said. And it's like, well, seeing a flaw means that they're human and they're not perfect, so that's cool, I guess. And this is where I really begin to have an issue with this episode, because this feels like, in many ways, this should have been, the tone of this should have been what the first episode would be. In the sense that, like, you have a couple characters being like, this is kind of weird, but I'm not really sure. So, okay. I Because, like, once again, like, I I think there is this issue with teacher-student relationships. I think that they are romanticized and sexualized and a whole bunch of other stuff to a point that people do not see the potential abuse within the relationship. um, And instead just kind of see, like, "Oh, hot for teacher. So the fact that you do have kids being like, it's kind of weird, but okay, I guess, is not unrealistic. But we've literally seen no one behave this way. Like, no one has given app- true apprehension to this whole entire thing in fucking ages. So the fact that, like, now suddenly we're getting people feeling wishy-washy on the subject, it's it's frustrating because there should have been wishy-washiness from the jump.
1: Yeah. Paige has always been so self assured and like sh- everything it's just, oh, fine. Yeah. is just Yeah. If I my, my mouth to help about this episode, I just feel all life drain from me.
0: Understandably so. Um, and of course, as they're having this conversation, Dylan appears and straight up just says Oleander is a predator. Um, and she pulls the old like, but Dylan, are you preying on Marco? And it's like, shut up. Like, I'm so tired. I'm so tired. Um, And as she's talking to Dylan and chastising Dylan, she's like, oh, he put everything on the line for me. Amazing. It must be love. And I'm just kind of sitting here going, what the fuck am I watching? This episode shockingly didn't take me three hours to watch, but there were quite a few times where I was like, I'm going to pause this. I'm going to go on Twitter. I'm going to pet my cat. I'm going to do other things than watch this episode because, for some reason, I went, yeah, I'm going to do a podcast and revisit every damn Dr. episode, including this one. Um, and it was just ridiculous. I, it's just... Once again, I don't understand what this plot is trying to say. Because even if they have some people saying you're that this guy's a predator, this is weird, it's still going back onto these, like, almost like these romantic movie tropes. Like, the the moment where someone's talking out loud about the person, they realize, oh, I'm in love with you type stuff. Like, it, it has those types of beats. The ending of this episode also has a similar beat to, like, romance movie.
1: It, it's like all those shitty... It's like fucking Star Wars Attack of the Clones, where Anakin's just like, they were animals and I killed them like animals. Not just the men, but the women and children, too. And then... Amatel's like, let's start kissing. And you're like, what the fuck? Like, did nobody pay attention to what was just said?
0: That's the thing. It's just like...
1: And, like, Marco is 17, Dylan is 18. Or six... Mar- like...
0: Are they that close in age? I thought it was at least two years.
1: Okay, 16 and 18. That's a That's a far jump from fucking Leander who's able to go to a fucking bar and is in what I'm assuming is a masters program if he's doing if he's teaching while doing while being observed at
0: the very least he's like a senior
1: yeah four years
0: yeah and also as we said earlier Dylan started dating Marco while he was still in high school
1: and is not a teacher.
0: Right, right. The power dynamic is... I I think that there's still something to be mindful of with when you have somebody in college and somebody in high school still. There is obviously things you want to be aware of and things you want to acknowledge, but it is nowhere near the same as a teacher and a student.
1: I would have loved to see Dylan hockey punch Oleander.
0: Ugh, right. It would be great. But, alas. Meanwhile, at Emma's... The girls are continuing their prank war by decorating a tree and covering it with menstrual products. Um, and the final piece of this tree, which they also lit up, is a tree topper, which is a star constructed of tampons. Which is kind of funny. Um, but also, very expensive. I was looking, I'm like, how much did this tree cost to, de- to decorate? Anyway... The girls are helping Emma go up, climb up a... Climb up some, some, uh... Why can't I think of the word, uh, fucking... Of a ladder? Ladder. I couldn't think of the word ladder. I'm like, stairs. That's not right. Stairs. And all my brain could do was say stairs. And I was just like, that's not right. That's not right. Um, but the girls are spotting until they see that the cops are coming. And then they fucking leave Emma up in the air in the ladder unattended.
1: There were so many good ways this could have ended. With her just using her long-ass gazelle legs to just jump off the roof and be like, you'll never take me alive!
0: Right? And, like, she she does give pretty funny fucking faces when she gets caught. Like, her eyes just are so wide, and she's like, oh, fuck! Like, you can kind of see it in her face. Um, and it's kind of funny.
1: But Yeah, no, it is, like... She looks like one of those cat eye clocks.
0: Yeah, that's a good one. Um, and, of course, Chester, like, pokes his head out the window in a scene there.
1: And he's like, oh, hey, what's going on here? Right. My, my plot line was the most useless of all the plot lines. It, it has to be as is this worse than Drive? I think we have a new contender for the worst I think this. We watched.
0: Okay, here's what I'm going to say. Perhaps we should save this for later, but I don't care because I like a segue. Drive is a bad episode, but overall in the in the sense of like the greater good of the world is a harmless episode. Drive ultimately is kind of fun, like kind of fucking weird and not great. But at the same time, it's deeper implications. Like it doesn't have these deep societal implications like this one does. This one is bad in a different way because not only is it just a technically bad episode but it also is instigating really fucked up ideas and really fucked up um just like really fucked up tropes in in the episode as well so i think that i feel like i'm going to keep saying drive because overall it's just a poorly constructed episode This one is bad in a way that's, like, just incredibly sad to me, which is that it shows a lack of awareness on the part of the Degrassi team, top to bottom, for allowing an episode like this to happen. Yeah. I'm still going to keep saying Drive, because it's funny to say Drive, and it's something we've said on this episode since we saw the episode. This just makes me incredibly sad to think about and talk about.
1: Yep. And
0: I, I watched the fuck out of it as a kid, which is
1: great. Yeah. All right. Um Katsu, Matt's shithole apartment. Mm-hmm. Paige shows up in her movie mm-hmm. uniform.
0: Yeah, clearly coming right off of work.
1: Um, She says she'll go along with whatever he says. Like, he shouldn't have to get, like, fired because of her. He should. Um... And he's just like, I don't know what to say. He tries
0: to kiss her. She swerves out.
1: Yeah. Um, She should have been like, oh, by the way, I brought my brother with me. Right. And Dylan just storms out the room and hits him with a hockey stick.
0: Well, the thing is, is like she talks about how she sees, how she's so (laughs) selfish because of this. And it's like, no, you. You
1: are a child.
0: Right, right. And that's the thing. It's like, it's, I understand that as a kid, that's going to be the jump, right? It's oh no, like this person that I love, they're gonna potentially lose their job. Like it's my fucking fault. I'm not saying that that reaction is like unrealistic to the age group, is unrealistic toward anybody, but it's just like <sighs> once again, and this is the thing that I keep coming back to with this whole entire plot line is what's the purpose of it? What is the takeaway of it? Are you trying to address a real issue, which is that teacher, which is teachers exploiting students? Or are you just trying to work in some weird age gap romance into Degrassi because it's like what you're into? And you see these moments where, you know, she has internalized so much. And that alone, like, fine, I understand, like, I'm not going to be able to fight, I, I don't want to be like, I've given up on it. But I know, like, so many people are so into teacher-student relationships and age gaps and all that type of shit. And a lot of those people I've not really been able to convince to not be into that. But in this instance of it, I hope that I can kind of find common ground with folks because you see how much she has blamed herself for things that are just not her fault. It's not, like, no. Like, it's not... Like, she's claiming she's being selfish and she's beating herself up over it. But ultimately, like, he's the one that's putting her on this fucked up ride.
1: And we cannot forget the spot that this show plays. Right. In, in the grander scheme of Canadian television and, to some extent, like, you know, television for younger viewers. Mm-hmm. It is to stop and say... No, like this is wrong. Like, you know, um, right? Especially
0: because they've already done abusive relationships and did the setup way easier. Yeah, like you saw them handle Rick and Terry's relationship and show how it's fucking terrible and how even how his his advances were seen as odd and peculiar because they were.
1: I'm not even saying that. I'm saying, like, say somebody sees this. I'm like, yeah, we can say television doesn't an influence and whatnot. And oh, I,
0: bullshit. Or not. Yeah.
1: <laughs> but, like, you're going to have somebody who might get caught up in one of these relationships and it's going to have a far worse outcome if that person is emulating what they saw and that emulation is, I'm selfish, like, I'm in the wrong here. It's not me. It's him. Right. It is not. It's not. It's not him. It's me. Yeah. So like the way this this should be a morality tale where it ends with Oleander tarred feathered and once and like Marco driving along while like Dylan like bops him in the butt with a hockey stick going get out get out get out get out, get out. you're done here. Like, they should just chase him out of town. Right. But instead, he wins. Yeah. Oleander wins. Yeah. And, like, we said that, uh, like, it kind of, it was like Rick won for a while.
0: <laughs> yeah, but, like, that was the thing. It was, like, with Rick, it sucked, but you could tell that they were trying to show an ugly truth. Right? Right. Like, an ugly truth about abusers and how they are able to still stay within systems and why it's so hard to eradicate anyone, even if you already have evidence. We And that's a real thing. And, like, you know, as much as I did not enjoy... You know, it wasn't fun watching Rick do shit. It wasn't fun seeing Rick be a horrible person, but... The episodes with him and Terry are haunting. Like, they are, unfortunately, very real-feeling depictions of abuse of that nature. And that violence associated with it. This this feels like a slap in the face to survivors when they already tried to lovingly portray... Not lovingly, but really, like attentive. Attentive is more the word. Like, gave such attentive portrayals of how abuse impacts people and not only that you did that to one of the characters involved
1: yeah
0: like and that's the thing that keeps i keep coming back to where shout was so good even the beginning of the season was talking about really hard fucking truths about being an abused survivor and how that's going to impact you and how it's going to impact your life and then we see this it's just, like, it's it's a really hard pill to swallow as a Survivor. It's a really hard pill to swallow as somebody who works with Survivors. It's a really hard pill to swallow as a Degrassi fan. You
1: know, and as we're talking about this, it reminds me of um, this absolutely haunting monologue this comedian gives. Um, I, I believe it's called... Um, uh, why, why I think rape is funny, and it's a it's a man giving this monologue, and he was um, like, he had, like was preyed on by a teacher when he was a student, and everybody is saying to him like, well, isn't that great? Like, you know, mm-hmm. isn't it so much? Like, isn't it great to be with somebody older? And like, you are a guy like having sex with an older woman. Isn't that amazing? And he's just like, I can't not say it. I can't say people don't want to listen when I say, no, this is wrong this was wrong. Because mm-hmm. I was a child and somebody I trusted took advantage of me. hmm And that is what is going on here. Like Exactly. And it's just like we are not there is a reason we have these guidelines and the reason we have these laws and we are just not paying attention to that for what reason for for drama for this nothing plot line
0: it's also like not really addressing the gender piece of it too right because it's like i feel like un- and i feel like this is like a real issue that a lot of male survivors suffer from right like the idea of like ooh like you got with an older woman or like like you know oh isn't that great or whatever not to assume the gender of the other, of the teacher, but I know like a lot of the time it's within the context of a male student um, with a female teacher. But that doesn't necessarily play out in other gender situations. Like that's not really, like you're not seen as like, you know, as like a, a winner in other, other ways that it shakes out. Like it's not a one-to-one because that's just not how gender plays out in society. And, and it also loses its way in that sense, because it, it, it just does not quite address the gender, the way that gender is perceived here. Not to say that, like, I don't know, I don't want to be like, Degrassi shouldn't do a plot like this, but it would have been something worth discussing to go into that, right? Like, to actually have, like, a male student go through something like this. I mean, I it's... It, it's a worthy conversation to have if taken seriously. It was a, it would have been a worthy conversation to have with Paige going through this with Oleander if it was actually being addressed as an issue. Um, but it's not. It's just not. And it just is like incredibly unaware of the... It just is acting as if it does not want to think about the deeper social implications of what it's doing. Yeah. Um. So, we go to... Um, the office page says that she doesn't need her parents present which what like as as an administrator i'm like watching this happen and i'm like oh no 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 i know you couldn't afford to get her parents back on but like what the fuck um even then i think we only met her mom you did like i feel like
1: we've never met the dad.
0: right we could have just had like a mr michael chuck there we could have just had someone (laughs) just saddle someone in but, like...
1: Just get a pair of cardboard cutouts.
0: Right, right. Like, just have a generic... Like, honestly, it took me forever. It took me thinking about it right now to realize that that blonde woman in that scene was definitely the one who was observing Oleander and not just Paige's mom. <laughs> like, you could have fooled me. I I would not have noticed. I would have been like, oh, it's Paige's mom, I guess. Like, come on. Um, but... Paige is just like, I don't need my parents present, like, I'm going to transfer. Which, once again, like, you can't make these decisions without your your parent consenting to them. That's how education works. Like, if, like, you as a teacher could be like, hey, I think your kid needs remedial math. And that won't happen unless the parents consent to it. Like, you can't, you can say, hey, I think your kid should get tested for this thing. And the parents can, can you know, reject that. Like, you know, whether it's a learning disability or mental illness or, or anything that may potentially need an accommodation or anything, like parents, or even just like going into certain classes, like parents have to approve, even if it's like an AP class, like they can take you out of those classes. So the fact that Paige is just strolling in and saying, hey, I gotta get transferred is ridiculous. And then, of course, they reveal that, like, you can't just do that, because apparently there's only one section of media immersion in this whole damn school. How many kids go to the school?
1: Several hundred.
0: Right? Like, which, I mean, I guess it's not... I mean, I guess if it's, like, a quarter... That's the thing. It's like, is it... I guess it's a full-year class, because we've seen them in it for the whole entire oh, yeah. school year. We're in May. Yeah, suddenly we're in May. <laughs> I mean, I know we're getting toward the end of the season... But, like, uh, this is, like, one of the few episodes that actually establishes time, which is jarring. (laughs) Um, But she says, like, you know, she's going to transfer. He says, and Snake points out, it's the only class. Um, And she suggests transferring to a new school then. Which also, by the way, Oleander is here in the scene. Which is also bizarre. I understand it's for dramatics. But the fact that, like, I have to watch someone be in the same presence as like like the fucking perpetrator of everything is fucking ridiculous. It's just like I once again, I get it, it's dramatic effect. it's for his eventual confession, but it's just like it's scary. It's scary watching this girl not have her parents present and the fucking like the guy who has fucked with her life for the past few months is right in that room. I know there's other adults present. But doesn't it, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It's terrifying. Um, and Hasselakos is furious. <laughs> um,
1: I, I am just always there for Hasselakos being furious. Well, Hasselakos
0: was not following procedure, so... Mm. Um, <coughs> I'm getting so mad. I'm like getting so worked up. Um, Hasselakos is like, you're not thinking it through. Well, maybe she would be able to think it through if you didn't have fucking Oleander in the room. Anyway.
1: Well... Because, I, Donnie, I know your background, but I really think we need to start s- separating ourselves from, like, the fact that these people know nothing about teaching.
0: Right! I know. But then, like, Snake, <laughs> fucking...
1: I should be offended, because they also apparently know nothing about writing.
0: Right, that's true. <laughs> but, like, also, Snake then jumps in and says, come on, what I've seen does not look one-sided. And that also made me furious, because... Snake would be a mandated reporter, and technically, the fact that he saw anything or had any inkling and didn't tell anyone would be grounds for him to lose his job, potentially. <laughs>
1: like... Sort of marched that baby carriage over and just gone on lone wolf and cub on them. Like... With words.
0: Yeah, I was gonna say. But...
1: Just pulls out a samurai sword. Why
0: not? Why not? No, actually, why? Snake's not allowed to touch any culture ever again. He has lost all privileges. He
1: pulls out a hockey stick.
0: There we go. But, like...
1: (laughs) I'd like to apologize to our Canadian, like,
0: listeners. I mean, he could could swing a hockey stick. He is entitled to that, but he is not allowed, because he's already, like, made fun of and mocked so many (laughs) fucking cultures. He is not allowed to do anything but that. Anyway, this is my hard rule. But, like, that's the thing. It's like, Snake also was like, oh, I saw you. And it's like, dude, you're running your mouth in front of your boss and revealing that you knew information and didn't tell anyone. You're supposed to report this, even if, even if nothing happens. That's up to neutral parties to figure out. It's not you. You're not the judge and jury here. Especially when it has to do with student safety. Um, but, yeah, like, Snake is just like, He gets really mad at Hasselakos and is like, you know, whose side are we on? Are we on the kid's side? Are we on the teacher's side? it's like... I understand to a certain extent what he might be getting at. But also at the same time, it's like, you... you, uh, God. Why didn't you report it, dude? If you had a funny, weird feeling about it, then... Fucking do something about it. Um, And then... Oleander dramatically gets up and admits that they were in a relationship. And, you know, does this whole sweeping fucking gesture. Um, wowie wow.
1: So then, do you have anything else to say about this? I really just want to close this out.
0: Yeah, I'm like, I've, I've been, I'm very proud to say that I put my phone in the other room, so... Listeners, you've had my complete and undivided attention this whole episode. I'm not shaming you, Frank. I'm just saying, like, I have been trying really hard to just focus on this episode, get it done. But yeah, let's just move on to the next scene.
1: Okay. Outside of school, Chester is just like, my two, my two... Actually,
0: I think it's in front of his house, and he just, like, starts walking to school with Emma. But go cool on. Um,
1: my two dumbass brothers are named Chad and Chuck. And, you know, now Chad has a much different meaning, <laughs> which I thought was funny. Yeah. <laughs> Um, and Emma is, he's like, the prank war continues, but I'm your man on the inside. This whole thing is stupid. Um, and by the way, we will never see Chad and Chuck again either. Of course not. Um. Why would we? At the park, Paige is like, wow.
0: No, no, I think this setup is important to this. Because we're back at the park, which bookends the park in the first scene. She's sitting on one side of the bench. Fucking Oleander comes over and sits on the other side. And once again, I hate this because it's giving the same beats as a romantic thing. Like, it, it's set up, it's shot, it's invoking a romantic scene. And that bothers the shit out of me. The fact that we we've gone through this whole entire gamut, multiple episodes, and this is the final scene of the episode... And we are still supposed to find something romantic about it. Is stupid. So, Oleander joins her, and he says that, like, basically he's out of teaching college. He's still in college, though, but not teaching college? Is that the stipulation? Like, he could still go to school? He's in
1: the BA program. So, to like, the
0: bachelors?
1: B- I Bachelors of Arts, I guess. So, I guess, like, I, I guess maybe... And Canadian listeners, if you, you know, can uh, elucidate us on this, it'd be helpful. My guess is that you need to still, like, the teaching program is like a master's only program, just like in, like, at Rutgers. Maybe. And then, like, but he can still get, like, his history degree or whatever. That's the what I'm
0: thinking. Either that or, like, because, I mean, ed programs can really range. Yeah. So, like, he, he basically could get, still get his degree in whatever he was studying, but he's not going to be able to get a teaching degree. So.
1: So, you know, Paige has helped keep the world safe from Oleander's lecherous, disgusting hands.
0: But even then, but even then, she doesn't see, like, she doesn't think of herself as a hero. She's the one saying, like, I'll call up the school and defend you, basically.
1: So, anyway, uh, D-minus.
0: Well, no, no, no. I think it's important to note that she goes. It doesn't matter who sees us in the park, and then they're like, kind of like fall into each other. And once again, it the note that it leaves on is not the note that it should. There's nothing romantic about this. There's nothing romantic about it, and yet this this whole fucking plotline is hell bent on making you think it is. But yeah, D-minus.
1: Yeah, this episode sucks, and, and Snoochie Booch is Kevin Smith on the next episode.
0: Oh, boy. Ugh, we're, we're, we're in that weird liminal space that is Kevin Smith on Degrassi.
1: Why is Kevin Smith on Degrassi?
0: We'll talk about it later.
1: Um, <laughs> Just a... Okay, I just want to throw this out there. Kevin Smith and Jay Muse went to my high school.
0: Yeah, well, you're from Jersey, so.
1: And um, anyway,
0: character rankings. Nobody's up.
1: I, I want to give at least one point to Manny for being able to switch from tie dye like arts and crafts Manny to uh huh. Yeah, by the way, like I'm. Ready. Oh, yeah, that was kind
0: of funny. <laughs> like, She's like, oh, yeah, and, like, ties up her shirt. Ties up her shirt, and, like,
1: I think she, like, somehow, like, switches from pants to, like, a mini skirt.
0: I respect that. (laughs) I respect the hell out of it. Um, She, like, looks like she's not really wearing any pants because the shirt's really long, so I think she just had, like, the shorts tucked away, and then she's just like, whoop, ready to go. I respect that.
1: I Um, wish I could go from, like, looking slovenly to cute in, like, that short of time.
0: Right? Can you, like respect i respect it i respect the hell yeah,
1: out everybody's of it. going down nobody's surviving this like Oof. i like everybody's going down 50 points the, put that in the ranking system the however you want mm-hmm I would love if, like, one of our fans actually did, like, on, like, a wiki, just try and figure out what the rankings That'd is. That
0: would be like. so funny.
1: <laughs> it's just the random scores I give people. Oh, yeah.
0: I, I didn't expect it to be a consistent thing. It was just gonna be, like, what your gut told you every single week. But it would be really funny to try and, like, track exactly, like, who, who ends up where. If, if there's any way to figure out where they are. Um,
1: Another bit of trivia, this is also the only episode in season four that Craig does not appear in.
0: Huh. Huh. Interesting. I mean, he's mentioned.
1: Yeah.
0: But he's not in it. <laughs>
1: he's he's mentioned in Manny's list of who deserves to die.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Manny's fucking hit list. Um, oh my
1: god, I'd love to see, like, a Manny dresses like the bride.
0: God...
1: Just cutting down all these awful boys. Oh my god. Alright, anyway. Recommendations. Um, what are you recommending?
0: I'm recommending Shira because why not? There's more material happening with it. Um, I'm woefully behind, but I know that I would rather watch that. And even if it is still a kid's show, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, I think it does give some interesting looks at the complexity of female friendship and the complexity of female relationship dynamics. And it's it's what a plot like this should be. It's what Degrassi should be at this entity, which is looking at the way that girls connect and the complicated ways that they connect. Because, let's be real, like especially when... When, like, you're young, the way that you create relationships is so fraught and so interesting. Um, so I am gonna go with She-Ra.
1: Um, I'm gonna go with the cat named Quilty. I love Quilty. That's in the news, this cat that keeps, like, busting out of, like, rooms in a uh, animal shelter in Houston. And then also busts other cats out.
0: (laughs) Twilty, not guilty.
1: Um, but I'm also gonna, uh, recommend Persona 5, where, in- like, instead of just having to deal with him, you can go in and change the heart of a lecherous teacher, among other things. So, yeah. That's it for me.
0: Alright. Wow. Well, Frank, you've made it through. Uh, so, if you want... <laughs> If you want to talk to the podcast, there's a couple ways you can do it. You can email us I hope pod, at, at ihopepod at gmail.com where you can send any questions, comments, or concerns. Um, we are still trying to get back up and running to having guests. Um, as I revealed recently, I have just gotten a promotion, which is really exciting. However, that does mean that I really got to focus on my job right now. So I'm happy to continue giving you content every week. However, I'm just not as able to be as attentive with securing guests and all that type of stuff. But if you are interested, if there's an episode you desperately want to be on, please don't hesitate to reach out and we'll try our best to make it work. Um, there are ways you can support the show um on social media. You can follow us at Twitter at iHopePod and Facebook at I Hope I Can Make It Through Podcast. Uh, these two groups, these two places have been a little quiet on my end. However, if you at the show, I always try my best to get back to you as soon as I can. Um, people have been making some really good observations, people have been providing corrections, people have been been providing more information, and I just want to say that I appreciate everybody who has taken the time to do so. And of course, as always, if you find fanfic, give it to me, especially if it's good, but I will read any of it because I love and support Transformative Works. Um... Also, you can support the show by donating to our coffee account. Any money that we acquire through our coffee account goes toward tech upgrades as well as compensating guests. Um, you can also do our review challenge, which once we hit 20, we're going to go back into the Degrassi archives, give you some takes on Degrassi Junior High, Degrassi High. And when we hit 30, we're actually going to write out one of our plotline shuffle challenges. So if you think that we spend a lot of time running our mouths about how we're good writers, this is your chance to be able to actually see us stuff as writers by taking one of these plotline shuffle pitches. Um, If you want to talk to me on Twitter, you can follow me at DMisunbreakable. It is still Fire Emblem Hell, but hopefully it is still a good time for people to check it out. If you have any questions for me or anything like that um, I'm now unlocked, so if you do want to reach out to me individually I will be happy to respond.
1: Um, I am finally back on Twitter.
0: Yeah, you are!
1: Um, my Twitter is Dance Dance Fall. Um. Did at- you
0: follow me back? Yes. Okay.
1: At Dance Dance Fall 1. I don't know how the Twitter works. Um, I'm just gonna be posting things that pop into my head. Um, nothing that really makes any sense. I think I made a tweet about my favorite word for kissing is smooching.
0: That's true, you did.
1: Um... I also have another podcast called Teen Girl Talk. Uh, it's where my sister and I just talk about random teen media. This week's uh, teen du jour was um, The Duff, starring Mae Whitman. I think it was a very funny movie that has some problematic bits and pieces to it. Um, I have a YouTube channel, but I haven't really done anything on that. I'll let you know when I've actually done something. Uh, that's it for me.
0: All right. So, with that said, everybody, we hope we can keep making it through and that you're going to be there with us. See you next week. Later. Bye.